This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, welcome back to another fabulous, actually all new um, topic for the Author You, your guide to book publishing community, which always makes it very cool because I've always um, worn it as a badge that we don't do encores. We don't do uh, repeats of something we recorded two years ago, three years ago, because I want a day off. We always do something new. So with us, something new. Um, I won't say something old, something new, something blue, but (laughs) with us, with us is just kind of um, a whole new topic area that should be critical for all of you. So I just want to welcome all of you back to this edition of Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing. So throughout today's session, as we always do, we will be sharing some ahas, some insights, some tips that will enhance and support your book publishing journey. So my goal is always to support you and your book success. So let's get started. And today is my guest, Lynn Hellerstein, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein, who herself is an author many, many times older, a best-selling author, a award-winning author, and she just happens to be a pioneer in vision therapy. Her her first book, Out of the Gate, um, has continually sold a zillion copies. She holds my record for the best book launch selling for 960 books. She's the author of See It, Say It, Do It, as well as the Teacher's and Parent's Guide to Creating Successful Students and Competent Kids. She's also got workbooks and a variety of others, but she's got a brand new book, a brand new book that is just coming out of the gate called Expand Your Vision, How to Gain Clarity, Courage, and Confidence. And what I wanted to focus on was the whole visioning, the power of visualization and power of what it can bring to you as author success, book success, book marketing success, building your influence success. You fill in the words you want, but visualizing and visioning is going to be part of that formula. Welcome to the show, Lynn. Well, hi. Thank you, Judith. Great to be here. So let's just kind of talk about, first of all, your book. And and how did you get from being this extraordinary pioneer in vision therapy to actually expanding what you do in vision therapy to implementing it into your life? Well, sure. You know, most of my great ideas and learning came from my patients. And I started, I was so interested, especially with young kids, and many of the patients I saw had reading and writing difficulties. They couldn't track well, 
they couldn't write well, they were frustrated, they were clumsy at sports. And so we did more of the traditional vision therapy, which was to teach these kiddos how to track better and focus, coordinate their eyes, um, improve eye-hand coordination, and, and that was really very successful for them. But I kept running into these barriers with some of our patients in that even though they improved their skills, they still believed they couldn't do it. So, for example, the little gal was in my, she was seven years old, struggled with reading, and I asked her how reading was going, and she just broke into tears. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting because her tracking was better, and she was focusing and learning her words, but just asking her how it was, she just wouldn't even talk about it. So, so I calmed her down, and I relaxed her a little bit, and I said, all right, let, let's take a break here for, for just a second. Let's imagine something that you'd really like to be doing. What would that be? She says, oh, I love to swim. So I said, all right, let's go swimming. And she looked at me and I said, pretend, in your mind. She said, oh, okay. So she, ha- she closes her eyes and we pretend like we're swimming and we're, we're paddling around, having fun and splashing. And I go, hey, that's really cool. Look, I found something magical. And I pretend to throw her something and she pretends to get her, catch it says, what is this? I said, look, it's a waterproof book. And she said, wow. And she dunks it in the water and she says, can I open it and look inside of it? And this was a kiddo who would not open a book. You you couldn't force her to, you couldn't bribe her to do that. And Mm. when she got in a state of mind where she was having fun, she asked me now if she could open the book. And it was so powerful we created a game that before she ever reads at school, she can't even think about reading before she takes a little swim. In her imagination, she jumps in the pool, get nice and relaxed, comfortable, and then mm. she reads from her swimming pool in her mind. And what I realized is, and I've seen it, but so many of us get so frustrated because we're either worried that we won't be perfect or, or be unsuccess- unsuccessful or kids will make fun of us, or, you know, and this carries over to adults as well. And so as I continued my own personal health and, and personal work, I started getting very interested in the area of visualization, which I call internal visioning, and, and wanted to see is the external world that you're living in really matching the internal world that you create for yourself. So if you see yourself as a terrible reader, even if you have skills to read, you're going to avoid, be frustrated, create a lot of anxiety. And so my focus really started for myself, the reflection of my own personal work, as well as my professional work of really looking within. Hmm. So I'd love to have you repeat it again. So what you did is um, the, the internal and the external visually. Is that, is that what you're doing Yes, you know, the nature of my work as a developmental optometrist was really, besides making sure your eye health was fine, to really work on getting single vision and tracking the external things that we're measuring when you go for an eye exam. Can you see better? Here's some glasses. But we have this whole inner visioning, which is very multi-sensory, awareness, a knowing, a seeing that 
that many, you know, athletes know how important this is. Your, your major league athletes will take a lot of time rehearsing mentally mm-hmm. and actually connecting that mental physically, but they work on their visualization skills to enhance their sports performance. That's the internal visioning that I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And often mm-hmm. they may have great skills, but you know, if that athlete sees themselves falling off the beam, like in gymnastics, and they mm-hmm. keep rehearsing in their mind and they see themselves falling off the beam, what do you think in their performance is going to happen? Oh, they've implanted well, it. They've implanted it. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And so their external world ends up matching what their internal visioning was, and that's not the result that they were hoping to get. You know, I was, uh, I always was fascinated. I used to, well, I still do sometimes, but uh, when uh, Tiger Woods was first coming along in the sports and got all this, you know, global recognition, I was always fascinated by the way he would crouch down when he was going to putt, crouch down. And, and literally he, he would tunnel his eyes and and like he was only looking through this frame. This is the only frame he's looking at. And I always wonder just how how many blades of grass did he see getting in his way? You know, what little divots were along the route? Um, and I don't know if you've worked with golfers or uh, but I've always wondered with that how they operate when uh, you see them. And it's very common to see certain athletes, you know, be, get into a different zone almost. There's no question about that. We actually do sports vision. And um, it's a great example you brought up with Tiger Woods. I had the opportunity to work with a professional woman golfer named uh, Val Skinner. And Mm -hmm. she came out of college. She was touted to be one of the top women professional golfers. And once she hit uh, the LPGA, she just wasn't making the cut. And and wasn't doing well. Yep. And... She found a way to one of my friends, my colleagues and associates in Wyoming, who diagnosed her with a visual problem where she misaligned her eyes. So so when you talked about Tiger Wood crouching down and looking, you know, yeah. golf is such a visual game. I mean, people, there, there's actually optometrists uh, like me who are consultants to golfers, professional and, uh, uh-huh. and uh, competitive golfers, because golf uh-huh. is all about vision. And so what happened with Val, because she had a, it's called a convergence exit, she misinterpreted things closer than they were. Mm -hmm. And so when she would crouch down and try to, you know, look at the putt and look at the divots and look at the angles, she got misinformation as to where that cup really was. And so then she would visualize that, hit the ball and make errors especially in her putting. And so she started vision therapy and Val was a phenomenal visualizer. I have never met anybody like this. She could visualize every single blade of grass going down as the ball would roll over it and coming up. And if she hit it to the right, she could see that flow. She was unbelievable, but she taught us about garbage in, garbage out because visually Mm -hmm. she was processing incorrect information when she visualized it she would then tell her motor system how to hit it but it was inaccurate because of the inaccurate visual information oh and great, so, so great through, example 
Yeah, well, so through vision therapy, she really uh, improved her eye alignment and her accuracy greatly improved. Her visualization, which was phenomenal anyways, was now accurate because she had appropriate information in so she could process and hit the ball. She ended up you know, moving up Hold to on. the top 10 yeah. money winners. Wow. All right, we'll be right back. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Is there a book in you? Or another? Author You shows you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out, you will find a supportive and brainstorming community that is connected and creative, no matter where you live. Author You brings in national experts for its book camps and annual Author You Extravaganza. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author You's extensive network, Members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. AuthorU is the premier authoring resource in the country, creating community, education, guidance, vision, and success for the serious author. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, AuthorU is for you. Timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted on its social media platforms, and it is free. Discover Author U, where authors go to become seriously successful. Join Author U today at authoru.org. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. With me today is Dr. Lynn Hellerstein. She is the author of Expand Your Vision, How to Gain Clarity, Courage, and Confidence. And the, the story, the illustration that she shared, actually there was like a almost like a, a visual demo that you could have gone through, which she did with, with the swimming, um, how to open up a book while you're swimming. I thought that was kind of cool, Lynn. And, um, and, and then talking about uh, working with a, a golfers uh, and, and getting them to look at things from a different, pers- not only a different perspective, but with added tools that corrected a vision issue that turned her in from a so-so golfer that had great potential that something was just out of alignment to a huge success um, on the tournaments. So Lynn, my question for you is, so how do we take this as authors that uh, do, do we need to go in and have a vision therapy checkup? Do, can we start doing things immediately to maybe get us unblocked, people who get blocked, or they're just the creative juices are not flowing like they should be flowing um, with that? 
and and becoming truly a confident author, even in some of the most hiccupy times? Well, I think authors, just like any any other kind of professional musician, athlete, etc., um, we're all human, and by nature, you know, we have our ups and downs. And the goal is to find systems that work for us. And my system is my system. It may or may not work the same as your system. But if you really start tracking your very top performance people in whatever fields you're looking at, so many of them talk about the power of visualization. Mm -hmm. I mean, big businesses, they have a vision of what their business is. And then they have a mission statement that states it and then action plans to do it. That's how big businesses are very successful. And if you're missing any one of those three things, the big vision, the declaration statement, or the action, that's where we get stuck. You know, we dream big but never get anything done. We run around in circles but never have a direction. We don't believe in ourselves and therefore we can't move forward. So, so this work goes beyond visualization. It's really all about the see it, say it, do it. Finding methods for ourselves to dream big, look for miracles beyond what's predictable, believe it, state it clearly, and then take mm -hmm. action to do it. Mm -hmm. so the question for you as an author is, if you're stuck, where are you stuck? Are you stuck in the belief within yourself? Are you stuck in that you just never see that you don't make you successful? Well, you just never get around to doing it. And if you start looking at yourself, and I find the easiest way is to start visualizing, breathing. You just don't know what will come up, but there will be many, many answers within yourself. And that will help walk. Uh, yeah, I... Actually, I, I believe in all of that. As a speaker for over four decades, I always visualized myself on the stage, interacting. What was I doing? My choreographic of how I would move. I had all of that um, and and embedded that. So that's what would happen. So going back to how you initially kicked this off, if you see yourself as a gymnast falling off the beam, by golly, you will. So you've got to see that success quotient in. Lynn, you talk about the seeing brain. What is it? Well, most people, you know, talk about seeing and even vision is 2020. Can you see a certain letter at a certain size? And, you know, vision really doesn't take place in the eyeballs. Most of the patients I used to treat had healthy eyes. Maybe they needed, you know, glasses for seeing. But the real... The real magic happens in the brain. That's where all your visual information is processed and created. Um, and so when people talk about, I can't have a vision problem because I see just fine. I see 2020. Mm -hmm. It's like one of 15 or 18 different skills of vision. And most of the action takes place in the brain. And so, you know, we block our vision. Like we might see well, but we may not believe well. Or mm -hmm. we may limit what we see. And those limitations is what keep us from performing and doing what we want to do in life, whether it's write a book or, you know, be an athlete or, or build a new business. Mm -hmm. You know, outside of being an author, a, a well-received author, 
Um, did you visualize yourself being an author <laughs> years ago? Oh, Judith, you know that's ah. a great question because I did not. I visualized something bigger, though. <laughs> I visualized I was going to get the importance of my work out to millions of people. Uh-huh. And so I've always, and I still do have that big picture of millions and millions, especially kids, getting appropriate vision care and, and using their vision so they can be who they should be. In that, I always visualized myself as a speaker. And I've always seen that. In fact, I visualized myself speaking to about a thousand people and being the backstage and the mechanics of that. And that just happened a couple of years ago. Almost exactly the way that I visualized it in a group that I would have never imagined. Mm-hmm. But what happened was I had given a great, I thought it was a great lecture. It was a workshop in about, um, you know, 2008. It was about 2008. And I remember saying to myself, this is really good stuff. It's so impactful. At the time, I was mainly with with kids and athletes. I said, somebody needs to write this stuff down, but it's not going to be me because I hate to write. (laughs) And and, um, I happened to go to a workshop, and they were talking about how you can make money off books, which may or may not be true. But he said, everybody has a book inside of them. And I said, not me. I have another speech. He goes, everybody has a book inside of them. And it hit me. Oh, my gosh. I have a book inside of me. Now what am I going to do? <laughs> and once I get something in my mind, that's why I sometimes resist on my own visualization. Because Once I create it, I can't stop. Once it's in my mind, full force ahead. So what do I do? I try not to create it if I don't want to do something. But this was, how am I going to do this book? And then the whole process of writing the book a miracle for me. Um, that I would have never predicted, but I was open to a miracle beyond what I could imagine. Um, I worked with a friend who was going to write it with me, and she said, no, this is clearly your book. And I, I thought I was done with the book, and she said, yeah, you've just started. You need a lot of work on this. And she oh. referred me to you. And I didn't know what a book shepherd was. I thought I was done with my book. And that's when the magic started in that you and I knew each other from an earlier life, which was mm-hmm. interesting. And we started working. And you didn't tell me that it takes a long time to write a book. I wanted to do it within nine months because I was lecturing at our national lecture uh, conference in Denver. So not knowing that, I just assumed you could write a book in nine months and get it out there, which is what happened despite all the breakdowns, we had it out there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that most people don't order 5,000 books. You asked me how many you, I wanted to order, and I go, how about 5,000? You said, okay. And we sold out of that. And so it was just from not being limited by what people have told me, like, oh, you shouldn't sell that, order that many, by my own creations of what I saw and believed in that's what happened. And so, we're on about yeah. the fourth printing now. You are. And, you know, one of my takeaways with what you're saying here is how important it is to not let your lack of vision limit you, that you can open it up. I'm, I'm not quite sure how to wiggle that around, but that's what 
um, I think people, they don't think of the possibilities that can happen because I guess maybe they've had a lot of no's or they've had resistance or, you know, where all, all that stuff comes from. But oh, I think that's that, so true of so many people of uh, either that they had no's or they're afraid to succeed. There's so, so much fear and anxiety. I deal mm-hmm. with that as well. And if we let that fear and anxiety, Fear and anxiety break down your visualization. It, it, you may not even be able to visualize it. Or mm. you're mm. visualizing all the fear and anxiety, and that doesn't allow for any new creation. Mm-hmm. Well, when you just, you know, we're, we're going to, we're actually coming up to our next break. How could that be possible um, in about three minutes? But so I, I just, the question I have for you, because you didn't visualize being an author, you were a speaker. And that evolved because you heard. I, I think that what your example, when you were sitting in whatever lecture you were sitting in and everyone has a book in you, um, and I always add to that, Lynn, and, and but we have to, you know, should it be allowed out? That's another question that needs to be asked. Um, <laughs> yeah, because there is some real junk out there. And I actually, uh, with COVID and the plethora of books that have flowed out, there is some real um um, ugly stuff I've seen recently that people are touting and I'm thinking, oh no. Anyway, I digress. Um, that when you were in that vision of, of being a great speaker and then that the evolution started for you, did you, did you visualize having more books? Because I was a one book pony. I didn't think, you know, I thought, okay, I'll write one book and that's it. Oh, no. I was done with that book, and I was so proud of it and mm-hmm. said, I'll never write this again. I'll never do this again. And then, you know, once I allowed myself just to be in the presence of its success, then something new came. I'm like, oh, we need a workbook for it. All right, I'll do it. And then something else new, like the dads don't get how how these vision problems affect learning. I'll write a book about sports vision. It's the same skills, but it's a different mm-hmm. connection. You understand the importance mm-hmm. of vision through sports. All right. And then started repurposing. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of every book, I think this will be my last book. And then some need presents and it's like, oh, well, I've got some think valuable information. I think that would be useful if I create that I can do it. Then all the pieces like you as a book coach and they, editor, all of that just starts coming into my life because I've created the bigger picture of the success of getting that information out to whatever population I create. Oh, I love the idea. Yeah, the bigger picture that allows more to come in to complete the picture. That's how I did my whole book. Once I thought there's no way in the world I can write my book, but it's got to get out. How am I going to do this? Throw it out to the universe. And that's where all the referrals just fell in my lap. You know, mm-hmm. The people I need to contact, the groups I need to work with. And it just happened because I kept, this is a pun, kept my eye on the big picture. That's right. Okay. So with that said, we're going to take one more break. And when we get back, I want Lynn to share with us that what what was the, the tipping point that how she became so interested in visualization?
This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Discover the power of you and your book at the Judith Bryles Unplugged events. Each summer, Judith Bryles Book Marketing Unplugged unfolds over three intensive days working with just Judith. You get publishing strategies, author and book platforms, book marketing panache and pizzazz, and authoring tools to take you and your book to rock star success. In the fall and winter, Judith Bryles Speaking Unplugged includes Judith as your coach and mentor during two powerful days. You will learn how to structure a speech, how to create openings and closings, how to find gigs that pay you and sell your books, and you will get one-on-one coaching. Go to thebookshepherd.com and click on the Events tab to learn how to participate at the next Unplugged Workshop event. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Right with me is Dr. Lynn Hellerstein, and she has written a gazillion, I'm going to say a gazillion books now, but she's, you know, long past being the, the one book pony author where she thought she'd only get one book out. And then they start, I always say they breed, books breed more books. And talking about this whole visualization, and I think, Lynn, I would love to have you kiss on, I want to get into what was your tipping point that that moved you into using visualization in so many areas and finally writing a book on it. But that um, that I have things, sometimes all of a sudden there's a trigger that happens. Maybe we need to talk about triggers a little bit that that drops in. And I know the current book that I just wrote the first chapter of that I'm working on. I wasn't even in my vision pattern at all, but the, I, I don't know where I was or some, I was, I, I was maybe a conversation I was having, but all of a sudden it just dropped in that, um, and my new book is going to be called the author's walk and hmm. that the, it's not, it's not the journey, it's the walk. And that the, I sat down, I was talking with it at the, uh, uh, the Saturday gathering we do in my home with authors locally here in Colorado. And, uh, you know, after they left, I sat down and I wrote the first chapter and I intentionally made it extraordinarily short. It is eight lines. That's it. But just working the right words and bringing it all together. Um, and it also believes and I have visualized Dr. Lynn in it those eight lines. <laughs> wow. That's great. That's great. <laughs> okay. So, um, th- what's your tipping point? What, what got you going here? Yeah, I do believe there's almost always a tipping point and, and it's usually something personal, which for me in mm-hmm. 2002, I think I believe the universe sent me a wake up call. Um, I had a significant medical challenge. I had, tumor in my colon. I had surgery. Uh, luckily, all 
came out well, but my recovery was greatly hampered because I became allergic to all the foods and I couldn't eat, I couldn't digest. And the metaphor for my life was I could not digest life. And it threw me into a really um, challenging state. Um, no longer were the roles of being an optometrist and an author, mother, or doctor, any of that was important to me. I just couldn't function. And I was beginning to ask questions about who am I and what's my purpose of life? I mean, mm-hmm. it was a time that I was just so disconnected physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And uh, I couldn't work for a long time. And that gave me plenty of time to be, what am I going to do? It was a very dark, scary place at that time. And out of that time, and again, starting to just breathe, be with, you know, all the terms that you hear. And and I'd already visualized some, but again, I ran into a psychologist who was doing a lot of visualization work, mind-body work, not traditional psychotherapy, who started working with me. And I thought I was going in there you know, for my general health, and it was much more than that. We don't know what we really need. Uh, we just don't kind of know the symptoms of being depressed and being sad. And and out of that became a huge gift of vision transformation that I was beginning to see, you, you mentioned it, the possibilities of life despite having these physical challenges and thinking I'd never be able to go travel again all of this, I could look beyond that, you know, that's the big, big picture, and start seeing more possibilities of what I want to be, not so much do, but be. And as I saw myself, I kept seeing myself standing very high, looking out over thousands of people, helping thousands of millions of people improve their vision. That's the picture I kept seeing. I didn't know how you do it. I didn't know how to get there. But that's the picture that started coming up. And once I could see it and I declared it, I started creating what's called an action plan and step by step. And that's where, again, I spoke more. And that's where I had the big speaking opportunities. But out of that came then this whole book thing. But that's that's a great example of my my own picture, my own vision was bigger than my resistance of writing a book. And mm-hmm. because it was so important to get my message out by allowing myself to be there and look for miracles, then you and all these other people came in to assist and help me get towards my vision. So I didn't need to know the steps. I didn't need to have all the skills. I just needed to believe in my vision and that I could do it. You know, what? one of the common questions, um, like I have a, a newbie author coming in uh, tomorrow to work with me, and one of my questions will be for her, what is her vision for herself? What is her vision for her book? And we will spend a lot of time on that. Because if I could... If, if I can get it implanted in my head what her vision is, I can put the game plan together to get us there. So it's... Well, you it, know, the terminology is so interesting. You've used this before, the myopic viewpoint. Yeah. Kind of really focused, detailed, 
great for, you know, sometimes clarity, but not the opening of space where other things fall out. Mm-hmm. Um, that brings me to the story of, of Betty, who's in my book, um, mm-hmm. where Betty was about 72 years old. And she needed glasses. She was about 2,100 without glasses. And she never wore glasses. She needed glasses. glasses. <laughs> she needed glasses. And glasses got her to 2020. But Betty wouldn't ever. She's, she, she was sweet. She always says, I just love you as my doctor, but I'm never going to wear your glasses. I said, well, Betty, you're a great artist. And, and she's got, I actually have some of her artwork in my house. And I said, how do you paint so beautifully when I know you're not seeing very clearly? And she looked at me, and this was very early in my career. I was just out maybe a year or two. She says, oh, honey, I don't need to see clearly to paint my pictures. I need to see much more space and awareness. And those glasses make me see too clearly. They disturb my painting. Oh, don't you love that? Well, it, here I am. You know, I've taken eight I years of college. That. I know how to do my work. What a what is she telling me? You know, and yeah. it was a rude awakening for me. And but that started me on this course of there's more to vision besides your eyesight. I know because if she had <clears throat> utter clarity in the 2020 scope, she wouldn't be able to create this amazing um, art that her other vision brought into play. Yeah, especially our peripheral awareness, you know, like noticing yeah. things on the side. That's how we move. Mm-hmm. That's how uh, we're aware of things, our sense. You know, I have this feeling, you know, that all happens in other parts and areas of our vision and other sensory systems that's mm-hmm. all integrated together. And if we do anything to either isolate or really tighten up a system so that you lose your awareness, that, that not only break down, breaks down creativity, it creates uh, more anxiety and stress. You know, mm-hmm. if you're ever stressed, and I don't know if you've noticed, you're ever stressed and you breathe really hard, you can hardly even see in your peripheral vision. People may be out there and you don't even know they're there. But if so you, you become relaxed you, you, for get, a moment, you get so narrowed, everything is shut out. Totally, totally. And and the listeners can do this is, you know, look at an object and look so hard and tighten up and hold their breath. And they may, they may not even be aware of things in the periphery outside of that object. And then if they let go and take a deep breath, breathing, just breathe and let go. It is amazing how your peripheral vision opens up in your awareness. One of the, yeah. On a side note, one of the authors who is being inducted into the Colorado Authors Hall of Fame in 2021 is an author by the name of Kevin Anderson. He he he's he's kind of got his name on I think something like 180 books. Lucasfilm is very interested in this this gentleman, um, and he is doing all the rewrites of Dune, the Dune series, including he his name is on the new film coming out this fall, the the remake of Dune. Kevin only writes, he writes with his, with his vision in that, uh, that he uses the eyeball vision to start it out. And then he brings in all the other elements. He writes when he's hiking, 
He writes in his head. He dictates as he goes along. He's on trails. He's out in the field. He may see, uh, you know, a, a, a Colorado lupin all of a sudden coming up, and it triggers a whole new array of other visions that he comes up with in this in his visualization. But it's a huge part of what he puts together to create these blockbusters he's have. So he doesn't sit down like the traditional writer with on the computer and ready to type away, he lets all his senses go to work and then the imagination starts, which I love. That's a beautiful, beautiful example. And that's really, that's probably one of the best, you know, ideas you can give your listeners when they hit that, that block, uh, get up, move, go outside, really practice your breathing and just tap into your senses. What do you feel? What do you see? What is the touch? Um, how are you moving? Because that's when creativity really can start. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean. What a master I, he is. He, he is a master. And in fact, on his voicemail says, you know, hi, it's Kevin. I'm not here. I'm out walking and writing my next book. You know, or something cool. like that. <laughs> that. That is exactly um, the variable on that. And I think that, you know, as we rope it in, because our overall theme is, you know, how, how do you use visualization um, for author success and, and bring that in? So um, we're, we're like a minute away from our final break. And then what I want, Lynn, when we come back, if you can give us a, a, a quickie tip in 30 seconds before we go to the break, I'd love it when you come back. Um, let's get into some tips that people can t- use to enhance their clarity and, and become more courageous, because I think a lot of people are so afraid um, and they their confidence takes a bang that of, of exposing themselves, because one of the things that in the author's walk is to be aware of the vulnerability, because there are people who are going to take some pot shots at you when you come out with your written words. I'm sure you've been hit it. Boy, have I been hit with some of the things uh, because I would go down controversial fields with some of the things that I created in my publishing works that, um, you know, how maybe you have some tips on how to rebalance yourself and, and get going again. All right, we'll be right back. It's Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing. I'm Judith Bryles. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Are you confused about publishing options? Do you know which printing option is best for your book? Does your stomach flip when you think about selling books? Or do you feel overwhelmed with what to do about book marketing and publicity? Get the answers and much more. Get them and from someone who knows publishing inside and out from both the traditional and independent sides how to make a successful book. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so. Or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand and platform, and is a success, a bestseller. 
It is your choice. You choose. If you want author and publishing success, you want Judith Bryles as your book coach. Sign up for her weekly blogs and easing at thebookshepherd.com. The book shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and guide to collaborate with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You do not need more problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Riles will shepherd you through the maze and chaos. At times, she has had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher, by a publishing service provider, and sometimes even by the author. If you want author and book success, connect with her today at thebookshepherd.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. With me is Dr. Lynn Hellerstein, one of my favorite authors, and the, her latest book, we want to give a shout out for it, is called Expand Your Vision. It's a little book with a lot of meat in it, and the subtitle is How to Gain Clarity, Courage, and Confidence. It is available um, on Amazon in ebook as well as print book form. And that she's got some actual visualization exercises. And if time allows, maybe we can go through a mini one um, why we're here. But I, I have a quickie question, Lynn, for you. Is there, a, is there any age limitations? I mean, you and I have been out here for a long time. Some of our readers, I would say my average client is maybe 60 because they're, you know, they're not working the, the gut-wrenching hours and they're starting opening up. Well, maybe I do have some wisdom I can share. You know, or maybe I can finally start writing that novel I've wanted to do. So um, I think as people start thinking retirement, it opens up, I'm going to write a book possibility. So question is, is there an age limitation to using some of your strategies? You know, I never knew that answer. So I just tried to do this kind of process with people of all age, starting with my kids around age two, where... If they couldn't go to sleep or they were worried, we'd take little balloon trips where we would imagine, first we had to breathe, and the breathing's a big, big piece of this whole process, breathe mm -hmm. and let go of our mm -hmm. tightness and body, and we get into a balloon, and then we go high, 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 high in the sky and say goodbye to the world and say hello to the birds, and we feel the cool breeze, so it's very multisensory, and then we would go to the clouds. And they were really great fluffy, fluffy clouds that we would sometimes just jump and roll. And my, one of my daughters used to practice her gymnastics in the clouds, talk about friends, or lay down and relax and go to sleep. So I started at pro probably about age two with a little. 
And I've used it on people of all ages, all developmental status, you know, some people with brain injury and concussions to relax them. I've used it actually in the ICO, ICU with a friend who had mm-hmm. a heart surgery that needed to calm down and we breathe and just picture things and all the way up to, uh, I think the oldest one that I documented only because, and I'm sure it's older, but in my book is 72 or 74 years old, an iron man who mm-hmm. um, at 72 years old, where they're running a marathon and riding mm-hmm. bike and swimming several miles. And he had to stop doing his, his uh, iron man because he, his eyes would cross. And he had double vision and he couldn't jump on his bike. He physically was ah. visually limited. Ouch. But this guy at 72 or 74 just kept seeing himself as an Ironman. He came in, we gave him some vision therapy that he practiced like getting in shape for his Ironman. And this is not usual, but in eight weeks, he took care of the problem. He was back competing and placed, uh, he places at every Ironman because... <laughs> The number of people at age 72 competing is very limited. So if he can com- complete the Ironman, he's a success. But he, this is where his internal vision was bigger than his visual limitation and found a way to get through that visual limitation. So it's something that we all can do at any age and any place at, at you know, at just starting with a breath. That's all it well, takes. You know, I'm reminded of one of the events that happened. Who knows what Jeff Bezos is going to be doing when he goes up? Because we've we were taping this before his exploration into the the kissing the limits of space here. Um, but I'm I'm thinking when you were doing the you know up 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 into the cloud, I'm thinking of Branson. You know, and I'm thinking, you know, what are those astronauts? What's going through their head? What are they visualizing as they sit back in that rocket, shaking, shaking, shaking? Um, and it's up, 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 and really breaking through. And then the calm, all of a sudden the calm. And in the case of Branson, where he, there, his, his equipment dropped them down. And as a Star Trek fan, okay, we're going to warp speed. <laughs> <laughs> and and drop down and being ready for that feel feel that and and I know I did the same thing with my kids oh my kids would talk me into them my cousin, my nephews and nieces come on Aunt Judy let's get on the roller coaster oh my god what I want to do do not want to get on this roller coaster so I always would visualize myself okay so I see we're going up 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 and then this that's got awful drop and then the calm and coming up again. I had to visualize myself to get through it. Yeah. So. And there's there's a couple little tips that can help you in situations like that, which you just intuitively did. Mm-hmm. But I like to mention it to them because please, yeah, um, let's hit let's hit some tips. We have we have you know about ten minutes here. Let's hit some tips on what to do to deal with stuckiness. How about that? Rider's stuckiness <laughs> or something sure. that we can stuckiness. move through it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. The, well, the first thing that helps if you do nothing more is to really practice your breathing. And people go, well, I breathe all the time. What do I need that for? 
Mm-hmm. And if you look at babies, you know, like the whole body breathes with little babies. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But when you look at adults and you can put your hand on the chest or in the belly, you barely can feel some movement in the chest. The breathing really gets constricted. And if you just will put your hands like on your belly, I used to use the example of use the phone books, lay down and use phone books on your belly. That really, really need to breathe to move those phone books. The problem is nobody has phone books anymore. So, you know, just anything on your belly, feel it and and just breathe into your belly. And that just for so many people, we do that with our little little kids, my little grandkids. Let's blow up a balloon. We won't even talk to them while they're crying. Let's blow up a balloon, blow out the candles. Now we can talk to you. And so... Um, people are in the state, my experience has been when people are in the state of anxiety and stress, they are not in the state of creation and even proper thinking. So trying to rationalize, trying to be creative, uh, under that kind of tension, it's, you know, just accept it's not, you're in the wrong part of the brain. I mean, there's neurology to show it. You're, you're in the wrong part of the brain. What can you do to be very creative? And the first thing is, how can we calm ourselves down? So the breathing is a biggie. Another step is relaxing. You know, people say, relax. And then they tighten up. (laughs) What do you mean relax? And just going through muscle tightness, squeeze all your muscles, your hands, your legs, and let them go. And then squeeze them again and let them go. And after just a couple of times, and you can do a whole, there's so many apps and, you know, DVDs and all on body scanning and relaxation. But these are simple things you need. No equipment you can do with anybody of any age at the moment. You know, I'm a musician and before I play, I sometimes get some uh, performance anxiety and I'll just go through, you know, this whole breathing strategy and practice breathing, breathing. Pretty soon those thoughts start just melting away. You can't stop any bad thoughts. But what you have to do is allow them to move through. And if you don't allow them to move through, then they blow up and that's where so much tension is right. So the I breathing am, relaxation is big. Yeah, I am so glad you brought about baby breathing and that belly breathing. The learning mm-hmm. how to bring that breath down into that lower belly. So it, it does amazing things. It, it's amazing things when you can do that. All right, Lynn, we have like less than three minutes. Where else do we go from here? Great. The next thing is when you want to create your imagery, realize people, some people see like the neon signs, vivid imagination, and some people don't. And it's not right or wrong. It's different. They may have a sense, an awareness. A gut feeling. You, you hear my language is describing other senses, a knowing. So however you do your imagery, and, and the See It, Say It, Do It book really gets into how to create imagery. But just notice what's there. And then play, what I say is play with your picture. What size? If you see a person, how big are they? What are they wearing? Hmm, who's there? Are they, oh, they're bigger than the other one? Well, what do you need to be safe? So I always bring safety into 
almost all my sessions on visualization. Because if people don't feel safe physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, they often will hold back and stay tight. And so with kids, for example, will say, bring in your superhero to be with you, or bring in mom, or bring in your pet, or bring in an angel, or whoever it is to take this journey with you. You can have that thing or person with you. And for test anxiety, we have lots of people bringing in, you know, their friend or a spouse or somebody who has the answers that they could talk to in their head and get all the answers. So safety, safety, safety is humongous. Such a big thing for um, creating your picture. And then Mm -hmm. play with your sensory system. Touch, vision, audition. Because people are all different in their strengths and their, their challenges. There's not an exact way to do it. But whatever you do, when you start creating awareness, you're already on the path. And that's where you create miracles. All right. We've got 30 seconds. What else do we need to do? Are we there? (laughs) I am. My mantra is to have fun in life. (laughs) Enjoy life and and expand your vision. Exactly. And the other side of that is, you know, with with these tips to, to, to go through your process is to have fun and be open there with that. What, with what can happen. Thank you, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein, for a enlightening, insightful, visionary episode. <laughs> How's that sound? Thank you, Judith. I love all the visual words. <laughs> there, <laughs> there you go. All right, everyone. We'll see you next week for another episode with Author You, your guide to book publishing. Have a good week. Thank you for being a part of your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryle.